This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today we have Corporate Jet Captain Tom Wachowski. He joins us to discuss private aviation during the COVID-19 pandemic. But before we begin, a few announcements. You know, if you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. At the website, aviationcareerspodcast.com, you can find the scholarships guide, career coaching, and various online courses that help you with your career, the most recent one is the one about the resumes, the five quick steps to creating your pilot resume. Don't forget to use a coupon code PAYITFORWARD when you're looking at the scholarships guide because a lot of people have actually donated money so that you can get a free scholarships guide. That's for $10. It's one-year access. We update it every month. As a matter of fact, the recent update, let's see, we have 64 new scholarships and six updates. Uh, Again, you can go to aviationcareerspodcast.com click on scholarships. Another thing we've been doing is YouTube videos, uh, getting some really positive feedback there. I love being able to talk to you directly on video and uh, it's been wonderful. We have a really interesting video that we did on a Zoom call. It was actually my first Zoom call. I was very excited. And uh, it was with an aviation attorney discussing COVID-19 and what the FAA is doing about your medical. Some really good points there. So if you have any questions, you can actually go and check out that video. Easy to find. Just click on YouTube at Aviation Careers Podcast. Dot com. Anyway, joining me today is our guest, Tom Wachowski. He is in private aviation, corporate jet captain. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. It's great having you. Carl, great to be back. It's been some time, so it's great to uh, hear you. And, and I know the listeners don't realize I can see you, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great seeing you, Tom. And, and one of the things that we need is, I guess, before we get started about private aviation, we've had you on. It's been... I think it's been over a year and a half since you've been on. So a little update as to what type of flying, and for those that don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about the type of flying you are doing. Yeah, well, well, uh, been flying since uh, we last talked. Is It's so much so that that's kind of prevented me from coming on. And flying's been up, 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 and typical of corporate or business aviation. You know, we're, we're flying around the folks that are making the business run, so so salespeople to vendors to suppliers, you know, to to the top folks that need to go have different meetings with various stakeholders, a standard business aviation profile and uh, uh, flying a whole bunch. My plane uh, is a Falcon 2000 that basically hangs out in North America. So, uh, you know, if you can draw that picture in your mind, that's where we hang out and um, uh, just been busy doing that. And, and I, uh, I, I kind of run you know, we've got two planes, so I kind of run those two planes with a group of guys and uh, working across that business with, with folks to maintain it, to keep it clean, to keep it insured, and all those, you know, I, again, all those things that an airline guy doesn't necessarily have his hands in, uh, we're, we're doing all that. So uh, good news is, been busy. That's good to hear. It's really good to hear that you've been busy, especially right now. Um, and it's uh, been a tough time for a lot of people. And we're going to get a little bit into that, why you're so busy and what the differences are in corporate aviation. But one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is the fact that you are very tied uh, to the aircraft and you actually become almost like a partner with the plane. Whereas in the, say, in the airline world, you don't really have that. Uh, you know, the, it's almost like your buddy. Yeah, you, you, I, I would say you're more tied to the team. 
And uh, now, now that would vary, of course. One plane and two guys. A good friend of mine has that situation. You know, that that that's you could say you're tied to the team, but it's kind of a small team. Um, in our situation or my situation, we we've got quite a large number of people, so we're tied to the team and the team together, working together. Uh, of course, you know ensures that that airplane is is uh, available to go. And uh, when they want to go, it actually works. It actually, when you push the start button, it actually <laughs> fires and the computers don't uh, uh, drag your day down with error messages. So, yeah, you're linked with a phone and you're linked with uh, text and you're linked with all these different technologies we have today to the team to make that airplane go You know, when they say they want to go somewhere. So that's actually a really neat environment to be working in. That's for sure. A lot different than the airline. And you've been an airline pilot. Yeah, I, I did. I did the regional thing for five years and it was a ball, but it just lacked that. Um, for me, you know, I, th- there's no right or wrong. I think a lot of times you'll see folks in the industry go, well, you should be a corporate pilot. Well, you should be an airline pilot. Well, everybody's got their thing. You, you know, there's no right or wrong as long as it's it's uh, fires you up, you know, as long as when you get out of bed in the morning, you're excited. So, so uh, uh, yeah, I did the regional thing for five years, and I had a ball, and I cut my teeth, and I scared myself, and all those things. <laughs> and uh, but but I was laid off. You know, we we talk about this current pandemic crisis we're in in the industry. You know, my layoff in the airline industry was a result of um, of uh, the terrorist attacks, and I was fortunate uh, then, as I am now, to remain employed for some time. But eventually, it got us, and. Uh, that's how I got into business aviation. And when I realized it had so many things I didn't even know I wanted, you know, the intimacy, the, the hands-on, the as goofy as it sounds, you're filing flight plans, you're figuring out your own fuel, you're checking NOTAMs, sure, the NOTAMs on the paper, but, you know, things like how does ground transportation work? How am I going to ensure a seamless experience for my customer? How, 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 it never ends and it's much more involved in my mind thrives in that environment. So I stuck with the business aviation side after the airlines, but I, I had a ball and early on, you know, I mean, it, for sure you think about Delta, for sure you think about America, you know, all the legacies, but when you picture the lifestyle that you want to live, and I don't mean lifestyle by money and extravagance, I mean, what does each day look like? And for me, getting up to go out for a four-day tour, coming home for two days, going out on a three-day tour, coming home for five days, going out on a four-day... It, it just didn't, didn't light me up when I got out of bed. So I stuck with the business aviation side. And to get that's some great color. To give us just a little bit more color on that, when you mentioned going away, how about now? What, it, what is your uh, home life like now? So that's a good question. And, and, I, and I would say uh, for those listening, I'm not the right example. In the business aviation world, I this is I'm going to use this analogy, but it's not 100% accurate, but it'll get you in the right direction. Essentially, somewhat, I'm very generalizing here. So, so please, anybody, don't send hate mail. This is a very general <laughs> statement. But, but somewhat, the smaller the plane, the more erratic a lot of things are. And the larger the plane, the less erratic things are. Now, they're erratic all the time. Don't, don't get me wrong. So in my situation and this Falcon and what the principals use it for, it is a less erratic thing. So I would go out, the way they use this plane, I'll go out for a lot of day trips, a lot of two-day trips. I'm not doing the gone for four, home three, gone for three, home five, gone for five. No, I'm not doing that airline thing. That just happens to be how my principals use the asset. Uh, 
it, it, it's different everywhere, but generally, you know, s- smaller, it really, I shouldn't even say plain. I may have overgeneralized that. I should say your principle is kind of what determines your lifestyle in the corporate world and how they work their days and weeks and months. But you can often link that to um, types of planes from turboprops through helicopters, through jets. Uh, you can link it to the lifestyle in most situations. Yeah, and that's a really good example is uh, is that whole, the, the, you know, that's a generalization as far as the airplane size, yeah. uh, but it really is that lifestyle is, is figuring out uh, what how they're using that aircraft. Because I've seen people that have smaller planes, turboprops, that even go away for days at a time, you amazingly bet. enough. Yeah, yeah, you bet. And, and it would be, you know, that principle is out hustling. Right, right, exactly. So, Tom, one of the reasons we brought you on today is to figure out what's going on with private aviation yeah. and the COVID-19. So you have your finger on the pulse of this industry and as far as private aviation. When we say private, we mean private corporate aviation. Um, and I would love to hear from you what is happening to you, but also maybe what you're feeling and you're finding out in the industry right now, how this is affecting you. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think it's um, it, it's as varied as the uh – as it can come, you know, in, in speaking with friends and watching trends in the industry, uh, and, and I have no data to show you and point to you for this, but it's a good, a good, uh, you know, if you stick your finger up into the wind and go, hey, it's kind of out of the east at 10 miles an hour, that's what I'll give you. And I would say it's kind of divided into three groups. So you've got a group that has completely shut down, they have mothballed the plane or parked the plane, they've laid folks off and, you know, stand by to stand by. And uh, you've got a secondary group that has done maybe a mix of that. So they may have downsized, laid a few people off, kept the airplane airworthy, but you know, scaled way back. And they're so uncertain of the future, they're really not willing to commit to funding that flight department. You know, beyond a few months, they're taking it month by month. And then you've kind of got a third group where there's essentially no change to to the operation other than the flying is on pause. So everything's still being funded. The planes have not been mothballed, just not using them a whole bunch, you know. So that creates a whole set of maintenance things, which goes back to when I said earlier, tied to the team. Uh, myself and our team have a call every morning at 830 where we talk about all these different maintenance things. So so there's there's kind of those three groups, you know, we're, we're out, <laughs> we're one foot in, one foot out, and we're both feet in. And uh, uh, as you can imagine, all the certainty and uncertainty that comes with each of those groups. So do your uh, principals feel that there is an advantage to private aviation in this current situation? Do you see them possibly looking towards using the aircraft as opposed to some other mode of transportation? Have you seen anything there? That's a good question. And I, I, uh, I can't really speak to my specific principles, uh, cause I don't know. Uh, but what I can speak to is kind of, you know, again, back to my, my somewhat of a pulse on the industry, which is uh, I, I think you've got two fields of thought on that. So, of course, you've got the folks who uh, they're, they're always going to fly private, whether they do that through their airplane, whether they sell their airplane and buy a NetJet membership or whether they charter, they're just always going to fly private to get done what they need to get done. That's just the way it is. I would say that you have a another field there that is, um, you know, they're they're just not sure. They're just not sure, and so they're playing it week by week, month by month, you know, quarter by quarter. In the case of uh, a lot of public companies, maybe, and 
the the headlights are really only shining out, you know, a week or a month at a time. So what what that creates for folks who are in this this business aviation industry is uh, a, a lot of uncertainty and if you've been through these downturns before, it makes it a lot easier. So, you know, my first one was the financial crisis in 08. And uh, I'll never forget it. That happened in October of 08. And I had just taken a new job. And the first pilot meeting, they played a video, which was Jim Cramer, Mad Money, talking about the stock of the company and how you should sell it. And they and you get out They're They're done. They're going, oh, you can imagine what that felt like. Of course, six and a half years later, uh, stock went from 20 to 90 and uh, I bought a house with that stock. I mean, you know, so watch Jim Cramer, but that downturn affected a lot of my friends. You know, they lost jobs, but but we made it. Then you had, uh, I actually should back up, September 11th was my first one and uh, made it a little while. And then like we talked about earlier, got laid off. Then the financial crisis came, you know, basically a decade later. And now here we are in my third one, uh, about another decade later, right? And um, one of the first things I told my wife and my family is it'll all work itself out. You know, the business will really give you an opportunity to become resilient and to test your emotional intelligence and to test your bank account and your discipline on saving. Uh, all, all these things will make you a better person. And believe it or not, they will make you a calmer, more focused pilot at the end. That is some really sage advice. I think the one thing that we need to do is a little more education as far as finances. And, uh, you know, this isn't a financial show, but it really is as simple as saving as much as you can. Uh, don't, don't buy the captain house right away. Yeah, don't ever buy it. I mean, uh, and, and that really comes down to, I think, knowing what's important to you. I mean, I, you know, we, we can get all psychological on this thing because that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. But when you know who you are, and you know what matters and where you stand on things, you don't need the captain house. I mean, I, I, I'm sure you've seen it, Carl. I've seen it, you know, and a lot of your listeners have probably seen it too. So when you have that conviction in you, it's very easy to be disciplined on many things from finances to health to family to whatever the thing is. And when it comes to this career, the downturns will accelerate that conviction, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Uh, but, you know, any anything that, challenges you will make you better should you choose to to take it on and indeed come out of it better it's uh i i can only say that each of these downturns has made me a better person and a better pilot and uh, and made for a hell of a career ride i mean it's it's so easy on the front of go oh my god where are we headed what's going to happen and having been through a couple of these carl i'm sure you can uh and your listeners can attest to that the ones who have been through it you look back and you go I don't want the next crisis, but I'm ready for it if it comes. And th- those build resilience, and that's important in, the, in a pilot and a person. And I think resilience is built in the different seasons of your life also, because yeah. we all have different seasons. Um, a lot of people look towards uh, what should they do now. And if you're younger and you're in school and you're learning how to fly, you really don't have much to do, but still keep going forward. Uh, I remember the first financial crisis I was involved with was in the mid-80s. And uh, it didn't matter much to me because all I had to worry about was 
the price of beer because I was in college. Right. Right? <laughs> so it was actually in my favor there. That, but then, that, that changed at uh, your age? It hasn't changed at my age. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, but it really, it, it's one of those things. I mean, we really, we're going to see this again, by the way, and, and remember this, you know, because 10 years from now, we'll have another down cycle. Everybody asks me, you know, the ups and downs, when's going to happen? And I always tell people, I'm sure there's going to be a recession in the next 20 years. And that's that's my prediction. And it's a pretty broad a broad net there that I cast. I think the Monte Carlo models would uh, uh, affirm that. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> but one of the things we need to do is is look at the season we're in. And so you're the student. Just do what you're doing. Keep studying. Um, this is a, a long-term career. Uh, you know, if you're going to become a doctor, you're not going to stop you know, studying, you're going to keep going forward. Same thing with this industry. And you will see the naysayers coming out right now. So you're saying, hey, I told you so. This is uh, this is a bad industry to get into. Uh, and you'll always have that. That's why sometimes it's best to stay away from stay away from what they used to call the crack pipe. Stay away from the forums, right? You bet. I, you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, uh, I, I got off those things years ago, and it was one of the best things I did because kind of like um, – you see so many different reports about our current environment. You, it comes to a point where you don't know what to believe. You know what's true, what's not true, and that that holds true for a lot in, in any industry. You know, you you get different groups kind of touting their agendas or or their beliefs, and it's okay. That's where the resilience comes in, where you go, hey, what you know, what what do I believe to be true? And really, the the you know, you you change a you change the questions you ask. And you change the outcome. So is the question, oh my God, what should I do? You know, they say this, they say that. Or is the question more, where do I want to end up? You know, so if you want to end up in the left seat of an Airbus, you have a different mindset and mentality and energy and resilience to get there. If you want to end up in the left seat of a Falcon, if you want to end up uh, uh, at, you know, left seat of an MD-80 flying cargo when you understand where you want to end up, what your outcome is, it's very easy to brush aside a lot of that fray and a lot of that noise that can distract you um, from your goal. And I'll say, and I, I, I think you could attest to this, Carl, it is so worth it. It is so worth it to stick with it. If it's in your blood, if, it, if when you wake up in the morning and the corporate jet, the airliner, the medical jet, the helicopter, whatever it is for you in aviation it could be insurance, by the way. It could be, you know, OEM support. It could be design. It could be any of those things. If that lights you up, stick with it. If it doesn't light you up, you do have some questions to ask, and that's okay. It's okay, and then put a plan together. And that's yeah. why we, we find somebody who's a mentor to help you out or get some coaching, et cetera. But you're right. Gosh, I can't agree with you more on what you just said because we do need to do what really lights us up because it's during these downturns that we, we start getting a little bit depressed. You know, We're in a career that we don't like, and now we're sitting here not making any money in a career that we don't like. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's just sage advice for, for all different careers. That's, that's true. That's a good point. One of the things, getting back to private aviation, and by the way, we keep going back and forth between this private and corporate aviation, and uh, it, it's very similar. Um, do, do you have a different term? For, like I always tell people, corporate aviation and, and private aviation I use interchangeably. So uh, you you can uh, you can kind of give me a, what you feel is the difference between corporate and private. Yeah, I I I, um, I would be guilty of always correcting people, which I don't typically like to do. And when I have conversations out in the world, uh, you know, especially I have some friends that are very um, I don't want to say anti-business jet, but they're anti-business jet and uh, great friends. I use the term business aviation because that really encompasses the owner with his uh, golf stream, 
uh, or King Air. That encompasses the charter company with their fleet. That encompasses the corporations with their you know, arsenal of capitalism tools. I love to call them that. Um, so business aviation is the term I use. And that's what I also use to, to help folks understand who, who don't understand the value of a business jet coming to your town, whether that's charter, private, or corporate, because I can guarantee they're bringing money. They're bringing good economic things, which help everybody. So I use business aviation, uh, you know, in my conversations with people. Yeah, I think most people online, they use a term corporate aviation. But I, I think I like that because it is a business tool. Uh, so we'll continue on with that, with business aviation, as you've called it. And that's a great term. But one of the things that I think people don't realize, there's some challenges in business aviation and in the corporate uh, jet, as like people like to talk about on the news, Um Besides just the actual operating challenges, the one thing I think is a challenge is the optics. I think for some of these, especially public corporations, individuals have an easier time uh, with the optics because you really don't you don't see a corporate jet. Yeah, you, you know where do you see it? It's at the airport, so you have no idea that the person just flew in on on a jet or as opposed to drove in in their. Which is kind of the point sometimes, but go on. Exactly, exactly. So you find that often. You know, I have my own little airplane. I also fly for the airlines. And, and people don't know how I arrived at that scene. They just know that I'm driving the Chevy up to the, to the whatever place I'm going to. So what are some of those challenges from that point? And then some of the other ones that you can add to. For the first point being private aviation, uh, business aviation, and the optics that you see out there. Yeah, make no mistake about it. Uh, the industry is still, for, for, forget the pandemic, for, forget that. Make no mistake, the industry is still feeling the repercussions of, um, uh, you know, in 08 when the auto manufacturers all went to DC in their jets. And that wasn't necessarily the problem. The problem was that optics was there and nobody stood up and went, you bet we came down in the jet. Because if you want me to run, a global enterprise or even a national or, or regional North American, you know, South American pick your continent, so to speak, enterprise. I'm not doing it without a jet, not out of hubris, but out of necessity. It's the equivalent of saying, you've got that fancy enterprise computer system. You should get rid of that. That is exuberant and extravagant. Well, show me how I'm going to run my global business or my North American business without that computer system. And you can pick your giant asset that these businesses use. And, and the jet is simply a time machine. I own uh, various companies, probably like you and a, and a lot of your listeners, and I can guarantee those companies own jets. I am expecting my employee, remember, I own the company. You own that company. It may be just a fraction, but you own it. I certainly expect my employees there from the CEO on down to be using their time and resources efficiently. And if that means getting on a jet at I'm making up the numbers because it depends on the plane, you know, $1,500 an hour maybe for your Pilatus, you know, up through, uh, uh, you know, eighteen dollars to $25,000 an hour in, in a giant global 7,500 NetJet membership, making up the numbers, but I'm close. Yet that investment in time savings creates a new revenue stream that lasts for 10 to 20 years creates a new product because you brought people together to be innovative and that product now creates 
uh, a revenue stream and and you know goodwill out in the in the world and and all the benefits that come from bringing people together. I can't help you if you don't believe in that. There, and and there are people who don't believe in that. So the optics that come with that beautiful, shiny, advanced airplane pulling up on the ramp and people getting off and driving off in sedans and all that is simply. Uh, I, I would just say you have to be sure you have the full story before you go making, not you, Carl, or your audience, but as you and your audience interact with the world, help them understand what's really happening there. Very rarely in my 20 plus years, I was just doing the math real quick, uh, in, in aviation, and, and I entered the business aviation world in 05. So in 15 years of business aviation from charter, I flew for two families, I flew for three fortune companies. I, I, I'm telling you, I can probably count on three hands the number of times that was an extravagant, you know, let's party or whatever you want to call it, you know, an exuberant, you know, I earned it vacation trip. They just don't do it. And uh, so, so it's an education thing, but education never works. People don't work off logic. You have to listen to what they're saying about the optics. You got to validate those feelings and then you have to influence them towards reality and reality is often not what they see out on the ramp and that's not easy and we've got organizations like the nbaa who fight that fight every day and uh you know it goes down it goes back to when your listeners are out there looking for a job in business aviation you know you go to the interview but you better be interviewing them and their conviction and stance on the value of that business jet or that king air or that you know whatever the business aircraft is the value that they place on it because that will come to fruition in times like this whether they keep the plane or sell it tom to your point i think one of the things that i see sometimes is people that aren't sold on business aviation that are applying for those jobs and uh, it comes through in the interview i mean if you're oh, yeah. uh, you really can tell that someone doesn't believe in the the whole business aviation they're just there for the job one of the things I think that you, you keyed on was an organization out there called MBAA, and we'll have a link in the show notes, by the way. And this Business Aviation Association, it's it's amazing. Uh, they have so many good tools to understand what it is. What is private aviation? What is business aviation? And this tool that we use. I'm, you know, I used to fly on a, a, a G3, and uh, real, it was a real and, plane. Yeah, like a, a nice pl- – and the flights that I was doing was kind of short, uh, and it was actually uh, somebody who is my business partner that owned it. And uh, they would take me to different destinations. And like you said, for the most part, they did not use it the way that we see in the media. A lot of times we see this like in the movies. We see you know the movie stars going all over the world and stuff like that, and they, they kind of promote it a lot differently than, than it's actually that in reality used for, and that is getting from point A to point B, finishing a deal, then from that deal, they go back home for dinner. Um, a, a great example is uh, I know someone who had a Falcon and every day commuted to Florida because they, they had to get the job done. They did it for a year and a half, and that person... Another thing I looked at is the dollars per hour. That person's getting paid so many dollars per hour. If I send him on an airliner, 
and it's going to take them half a day to get there. That is not efficient use of that person's time. Oh, if I'm paying that guy, he needs to be working, not trying. Exactly. The other thing that happens too during this, and uh, we're not apologists for the, the industry, but one of the things that I think people don't realize is the fact that there's so much business that's done within the actual airplane. And that was something that opened my eyes yeah. when I was actually flying at, in the back of a, of a Gulfstream that there was business happening all the all day long. It was intertwined with their personal life, but that's the way it is as a CEO. Your personal life and your business are all intertwined in one. So you're sitting there talking about closing the deal on an apartment complex, and the next minute you're talking about what are we doing for dinner, and then you're talking to the next guy, and you know the person I flew with owned a coal mine, so he would uh, he would actually talk about that, and th- and it's really interesting how efficient that becomes because of the fact that you're using that tool properly. Yes, the uh, the uh, I, like you, I have seen so many deals done in the back of that plane. I get up to do whatever and go back in there, and you you pick up and you build pictures over time, and you know a month later, six months later, there's that whatever. You're like, oh, I, I remember, you know, helping do that. I remember one of my last jobs, we, we used the aircraft to do uh, real estate research. And uh, those, those missions would lead to, you know, do we invest and put a store there or not? And now that store, if it ends up in that community, brings all kinds of good. But you would listen to those conversations in the back where those decisions were being made. And, and um, it, it is really phenomenal to be a part of something like that. And you hit on a couple of things. Um, uh, you mentioned the, uh, the guy who, who would fly down to Florida. I remember there's a funny joke in business aviation, you know, where they ask a principal, Hey, you, you're spending, I'm, I'm making up the number here, but you, you, you spent $30 million on this aircraft. You're spending, uh, you know, three to 5 million a year to operate this thing. You know, what, what to, to go down to Florida as an example, you know, or whatever to do the commute, you know, what are you thinking? And they say, well, it's cheaper than a divorce. <laughs> of course these people have lots of money and uh, right, right. and, and no, that five it. million a year is way cheaper than a divorce of course it's a joke but is, two other <laughs> things came to mind there you know that that people don't often see when you think about optics and and one is that nbaa they have a program called no plane no gain and you can you know listeners can look that up but that's where a lot of great facts come out and i'll never forget one time Years ago, we flew a, another organization out there called the Corporate Angel Network, which essentially provides open seats on business aircraft for cancer patients to get to their treatments. And I've flown a number of these. And I remember this was years and years ago. We landed somewhere with one of these, uh, with, a, with a Corporate Angel patient and some, some folks, some passengers. And uh, we went inside and there were obviously some people there who were kind of sightseeing, you know, came out to the airport to see the jet that day or whatever and had go, Hey, what are you doing? You know, of course, as a business aviation pilot, you, you basically are, you know, that you're, you're somewhat the company's secret service or the family secret service. So you don't really talk, but got a little conversation with them. And I said, you know, this, we, we actually here, we're helping move, um, a cancer patient. And they walked out of that conversation with a completely different look at business aviation. So you're managing those optics. I don't want to say every day, but very often, as a business aviation pilot, if you care, you know, many don't care and they blow it off and it's somebody else's job. But um, when you can influence somebody to become a supporter instead of a, uh, you know, an enemy, so to speak, of, of your thing, uh, that's a win for not only yourself, but the industry. Uh, in my opinion, all of us in this industry have a duty, many duties, but one of those is to, you know, help people understand the facts. You have to validate how they feel. You have to listen to how they feel. Those are real 
but then if you have that duty to influence the conversation towards the positive for them, for their communities, you know, for all the good that a business jet brings, I'm telling you, I have never seen one not come to a community and not bring money. I, I just, and that is good for a lot of people, especially in times like this. I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, as being a, a career podcast, one of the reasons we're, we're really diving deep into this is that we want to convince you to look further into the business aviation. If you're really that interested, knows we've gotten pretty granular. There's a great website at MBAA. It's, uh, it's right on there. What is business aviation? It's the first tab on their website. I highly recommend you going out there and understanding what business aviation truly is because they got, I mean, we're not really doing it justice because there's so much more than we're, than we're even bringing to the fore. So get out there and get as much information as you can. And what that does for you as someone considering this as a career, it convinces you whether this is a good career or not for you, first of all. Number two, it convinces you of the argument for business aviation. Uh, and I really highly recommend people going out there. But with that said, you know, Tom, the business aviation has its challenges, right? And we, as far as the challenges involved in business aviation, what would some of those be as far as the person that's looking at it from a career standpoint? Yeah, good question. Well, I would say a lot of those mirror the airline challenges. You know, it is a cyclical industry. Uh, I would say uh, another big challenge is, like I said, I, I've flown for charter, for families, for fortune companies. And the beautiful thing about a fortune company is, a lot of, if they're public, is all their financials are public. So how much cash do they have in the bank? You know, if you're looking at charter, you may not be able to, to look that up, but you can certainly get a, a feel. You know, everyone's got good enough intuition to go, yeah, these folks can weather a storm like a global pandemic or not. Uh, this principle believes in, uh, you know, rainy day funds or not. And you can stack the odds in your favor to get through those uh, cycles of the industry. So, so one challenge is definitely the cycles. I would say the second challenge is, I must be honest, it's a tough industry to break into. That is a tough nut to crack. And every, uh, every business aviation job I've got to do a double think there, but every one of them, I, in some cases, literally was knocking on the hangar door. It is, um, having hired three, I've hired three people in my business aviation career and as a hiring manager, whatever you want to call that person doing the hiring, it's all about lowering risk. And the more I know you and the more I know your intentions and your background and, and all those things, it's just a lot lower risk. When you're just a name on a resume of 50 or 60 or 100, I, I, you're risky to me. I don't know. Yeah, you got a type rating. You know, Sure, you've got 5,000, 8,000 hours, you know, 3,000 pilot and command. Great. I don't know you. If I've been entrusted by the principal to put somebody in the front of that plane who essentially holds that principal's life in their hands, I need to know who you are. And that's very difficult when you just come across my desk as a piece of paper. So another challenge is just getting into the industry and, and you got to network and knock on hangar doors. I can see it in my mind that day I knocked on that hangar door for one of my jobs. <laughs> they let me in. <laughs> Fortunate for you, and uh, and we wouldn't have these stories otherwise. And I think that's very true with anything in in the industry, but more so in, in business aviation is is knocking on doors and doing that networking, which you you've done so well. And I challenge people to to keep doing that. It's who you know is really really important in this industry, and, and how you can help them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's more than just hey, I uh, I, I remember one time we were hiring, and um, you know, I really needed somebody who could 
do more than fly the plane. And we had one gentleman come across, he goes, listen, you know, I've set up operations. I've worked with the FAA. Let me take all that off your plate. I went, whoa, you got my attention. You know, they, they, they were doing it. Yeah, they wanted a job, but they wanted to help me. They wanted to help. It's not even about me. They wanted to help the team. They wanted to help the principal win. Those are massive differentiators than just a piece of paper sliding across the desk. And that's something that we need to look at is at ourselves when we're looking at a job in, in private aviation and business aviation is how we how we differentiate ourselves. Think about that. That's some great advice, Tom, really is. Uh, Tom, before we conclude, I really want to know your feelings on this, and I think I know your answer already, is private aviation, uh, business aviation, uh, still a good career choice? If it lights you up, if it lights you up. I mean, I, uh, I cannot make a blanket statement. I, I have great friends who were in business aviation. They left for 121 because it just didn't light them up, and that's fine. You know, a couple who went the other way, too. It's really about what do you get excited about? And uh, whatever that is, that's what you should pursue. And I would, I would say still, we, we mentioned it earlier, but really visualize what does your day, week, month, what do you want that to look like? And then go out and kind of find that niche within aviation that matches up to that. It might be selling insurance for the aircraft. It might be selling aircraft. It might be working on aircraft. It might be flying aircraft. It could be scheduling. It could be a million different things. But if you can picture where you want to end up, it's much easier on the front end to decide what to do to get there. So I love the, the, the industry. Uh, it amazes me every day what you can do with it. But that's me. It doesn't make me right. So, so listeners, get clear on what, what your day and your month and your week look like. Tom, this has been some great advice. And if we have questions from listeners, feedback at com. We'll send those along to you. And uh, if, if you don't mind, maybe we could have you back on again to answer some. Anytime. Uh, apparently, I've got lots of time. For <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think not a good problem. <laughs> no, no, it really isn't. Uh, but one of the things that I, I love about Tom is he's actually somebody who's been in the industry for a long time and has put forth some real good tools uh, like the Pilot Jobs Book, which is still on our website. And it's more apropos now, you know, before you actually, especially in the airline industry, you really didn't need a resume. Now we need to get to that. And I know people have seen my YouTube video about the five simple steps to an aviation resume. And it's a great video. It teaches you how to put a resume together. But Tom, you put together a campaign uh, on, on getting a job. And that's really what we have. And you Crack can actually get up. the exactly. Crack, and, and so in that whole uh, scenario, tell us a little bit about the pilot jobs book and what they can expect if they decide to go ahead and either purchase it. Well, I tell you, it just goes back to how the, the, the questions we ask, right? So the question I think you have to ask on the front end is, you know, how do I show my value to a potential employer and how do I remain in front of them on a somewhat consistent basis? Because it's just not going to happen by shooting a resume off. It's going to happen when you reduce the risk for them. So you had mentioned the campaign and that's exactly what it is, is, you know, when you identify places you'd like to spend your career, you have a, pr a, a process upon which you help them understand who you are, the value you bring and why they should consider you. It's, 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 uh, you know, from, from letters to resumes, to knocking on hangar doors, to phone calls, to emails, to LinkedIn, to, to search firms that have your name, utilizing all these different tools and what we kind of called the pilot jobs book to help you have a, uh, a brand, so to speak, when, um, when, when employers are trying to find, uh, 
folks to, to run those airplanes or run those maintenance departments or whatever it might be. So if you're interested in learning more, by the way, there the first part, it's free, so you can check it out. It's also included in our monthly membership for only $10 a month. We uh, we have that in there. It's a, it's an older course, but it's apropos. It really is. It, it You'll use it throughout your career and your life. And Tom, you did a great job on that, and we, we love having you as part of a team here. Um, but, you know, another thing that you do, which I really want to mention, and I think is a great resource, although you haven't put out a lot of episodes lately, it's the Private Jet Podcast. You can learn so much through some of the interviews. Tell us a little bit about that podcast. Yeah, we created that show. Boy, I want to say, man, that had to be back in like 11 or 10 or 11 or 12. And it was really to, um, you know, I really took that on to learn. I, I had reached a point in my career where you know, I've been flying, flying, flying and dipping my toe in these different things. And I said, you know what, I'm really more interested in all the aspects that go into business aviation. So we created that show uh, to do just that, to learn. And the show is essentially uh, sharing all that learning. So we we interview all kinds of people on different topics from, um, I mean, you can name it. I, I remember we interviewed a guy who cleans aircraft, you know, and how the things you need to think about. So uh, we, we interviewed... Um, safety people. We interviewed ops people. We interviewed um, consultants. And to help build a broad picture of everything that goes into, man, when you see that business aviation aircraft take off, (laughs) you have no, like the airlines, no idea all the things that go into making that happen, to making a seamless experience for that principal to where they can literally roll up in the car, get on, fly, get off and on to there to do what they were put on this earth to do, so to speak. There's a lot that goes into that. So the Private Jet Podcast made a made an attempt to cover a lot of those. And and uh, I, I definitely have not put an episode out in some time uh, as I started running these Falcons. I just didn't have the time to do it. But everything on there is uh, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic is, is true. It won't change, you know, even though the world has changed, you still need all those things to run a business aircraft. It is an amazing resource, an invaluable resource. And I highly recommend anybody that's interested, especially now, because you probably have a lot of time at home, go back and listen to every episode. He started back in January of 2013. I remember it yeah. uh, when I started started listening to it. Uh, outstanding material, that's for sure. And, yeah, it's all uh, free. There, there's no, you know, it, it was kind of a third pillar to that whole thing or, or bullet point maybe when we sat down. A buddy of mine and I sat down to come up with this was, you know, we wanted to give back. So, so that. That, that thing's all free. I, I would love to, uh, you know, if it helps you, I'd love to know. Yes, please. And, and reach out to Tom or myself and tell us what you think of the podcast. And if you have any questions, uh, uh, anything regarding the podcast, reach out to Tom. You can find him at Private Jet Podcast and also uh, here, feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast. Tom, this has been like really awesome getting back together again and having oh, you on. Uh, really very uh, very interesting information that you have and a great perspective on both life and and also the world of aviation. Just remember that, you know, this happened, this will pass, uh, this COVID-19, and we're going to have something else happen 10 years from now. Uh, we will get through this. Uh, and I think that one of the most important things is to keep a positive attitude. I know it's tough to do right now, uh, but be, keep look at yourself years from now 
envision yourself where you want to be. Don't envision yourself where you are right now. It's just like when you're there making hardly any money. You know, I remember when I was traveling the country in a car, I had my boxes in the car going from one job to the next because I couldn't keep an aviation job. I wasn't looking at where I was living in my car. I was looking at where I would be in the future. And that's something that's really important to look towards. Yeah, the mindset, the mindset and the certainty that you will prevail is they're powerful, powerful. Tom Wachowski, the Private Jet Podcast and uh, real inspirational person that we've had on today. And again, we, th- we thank him so much for being here. Look forward to having you on in the future. Oh, Carl, I, uh, anytime, again, you know, really great to, uh, they, they can't see you, but I can see you. Really great to see you and, and chat with you. And uh, I wish nothing but the best for everybody listening. Keep with it. And if you're listening right now and you've, you heard all the things that we talked about, we have all these resources that we talked about, both uh, Business Aviation, MBAA. It's all in the show notes at the bottom, the Private Jet Podcast you can listen to, the Pilot Jobs Book, the five steps to making your resume, your pilot resume. By the way, that's free. If you go to the YouTube channel, you can get the course for free if you use the coupon from the YouTube channel. It's really fun, easy to find. Just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com and click on YouTube. But I think one of the things you're already doing that's really important and is important in anything you do in life. And that's to take a step every single day towards your goal, both in your life and in your career. We're Right now, we're able to do, make many steps because we have that time. We've pulled back a little bit from our work. We're at home and we're able to do many different things that we couldn't do before. I know it's a challenge. You can't get out there and fly. But you actually have the ability to actually take control of your life and your career by taking a step by looking online, finding information, calling up somebody, asking questions, sending feedback to us. There's so many things you can do. It could be a small step. It could be a large leap into a new job and a new career. But I really want you, I want you today to take one step towards your career goal. Well, folks, it was really great talking to you. Safe flying. We'll talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.